0: Man, the best thing that we can do is to find a place where we can get a hold of God, get in his presence. Amen. That is uh, all that we need. Amen. The world tells us we need a lot of other things, but if if we have God, we have everything that we need, right? Amen. And so we are here today to uh, give him praise and to see what he wants to do in our lives. Amen. It's good to see all those here this morning at it, and those that are Online and listening, amen, um, we want to go to the word of the Lord today, First Kings, the 8th chapter, verse five, eight five. 8 and King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him were with him before the ark, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be told nor numbered for multitude, and the priests... Brought in the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord unto his, this, his place, into the order of the Oracle of the house, to the holy, most holy place, even under the wings of the cherubims. For the cherubims spread forth their two wings over the place of the Ark, and the cherubims covered the Ark and the staves thereof above. And they drew out the staves, at the ends of the staves were seen out of the holy place before the Oracle, and they were not seen without and they there are unto this day there was nothing in the ark save the two tables of stone which Moses put there at Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel and they came out of the land of Egypt and it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that they, the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord amen we're going to talk today about the glory of the sacrifice the glory of the sacrifice amen turn to a few people and greet them as you're seated this morning Amen. We know the word uh, "glory." Um, we we speak to it. We reference it a lot. Uh, the glory of God. Uh, but what does the word "glory" actually mean? the The Hebrew word defines glory as a a weight or a a heaviness, uh, meaning that glory. God's glory, more specifically, is something that can be experienced. If it is a weight or heaviness, it's something we can be, that can be experienced. Whether you feel it or whether you see it or whether you hear of it, glory, God's glory, is something that you can encounter. And once you encounter it, It will have an impact on your life that will be unforgettable, amen, and it will alter your your life and your mind and and should change everything about you when you come in contact with the glory of God. Now we don't use the word glory really outside of of Bible and church, more of a church lingo, Bible lingo thing Um, in everyday life, talking with people in the world, we may not use glory, um, but it, it is mostly reference to God. But the Bible uses the same exact word, but uh, translates it uh, differently and more frequently when talking about humans, mankind. Um, we can obviously uh, use the word glory referring to mankind. But what, what what really is there glorious about man? I mean, we're 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 a broken species, and we're 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 messed up. Uh, and so we don't really give uh, the name glory. We don't really uh, do much with that. Uh, but we do understand and know the word uh, honor. Honor is more of a, a, a term we use today. Honor means to be uh, have the respect of others for who you are or what you've done. Uh, it is a source of credit or distinction. And and so in Hebrew the word honor is described as as an ornament a a beauty about someone a, a glow that they may have uh, uh, of their prestige or their accomplishments in the military medals are given for achievements and commitments and soldiers' uniforms will be decorated with uh, medals and pins or ornaments or uh, visible things of, of honor and that deserve respect um, but not just uniforms signal honor and respect but uh, positions and titles also bear some kind of honor with it uh, a person may not have accomplished much but the position or title they have uh, there's a default honor that is given there and um, uh, the highest uh, position we have in our land is the President of the United States. Uh, with that title, obviously, comes honor and respect and and um, uh, the most powerful title in the world. And so it doesn't require somebody to uh, have attained certain accomplishments or achievements to, to get to that place. Obviously, uh, you have to have the... Uh, the confidence of people to vote you in to that position. But uh, with, all the accomplish, uh, with all the presidents in our history, if you want to look at their resumes, they're all, they're all over the place, uh, from military backgrounds to, to non-military and, and business and all these things. And so uh, that p- specific uh, title and position that has so much power and honor and, and respect uh, can be filled with somebody who uh, is it has, doesn't meet certain requirements for that. obviously there's in the, uh, the uh, constitution age and, and things like that. but apart from that, uh, anybody uh, can be voted in as long as they meet the uh, requirements of the constitution and And whether you voted for the president or not, his position is office. Has its own power and respect that comes with it. Because when the president enters a room, everyone stands. I mean, that's that's honor and respect that uh, comes with that office. And and so um, another impact that somebody's honor or glory has is that it precedes them, like a reputation Uh, is also can kind of be thrown, that word can be thrown in here as well, Uh, glory, uh, honor. Reputation, uh, these things all uh, are, are mixed in this. Uh, whether it's good or bad, it, the reputation of somebody goes before them. You hear about them before you actually meet them. And then you have to decide, is what you heard, does that measure up with what you've experienced and encountered with. And, and yet honor and glory, um, real uh, supersede reputation... Uh, even though uh, Hitler was an evil man, he had a terrible reputation, but people, some people still honored him and uh, revered him. Uh, maybe at the, the they're threatened to do that. But uh, nonetheless, uh, nowadays someone's glory or honor goes before them by the way of uh, red or blue lights, red and blue lights. You see uh, an entourage going down the road. You know that's somebody important. Uh, and it's uh, we're not in the car. Uh, so um, people pull off to the side and there's uh, somebody uh, of high respect and honor is coming through. And, and so uh, wherever the president is going, um, the the Secret Service goes ahead of them days or, or even a week before or whatever, searching out the area, making sure everything is, uh, safe every route, every business, every shop, everything along the way, wherever he's going, that is all due to uh, the office of the president. And so, um, if you take a week off of work and, and clean every speck of dust, you re- would repair every crack or crevice in your house. If if you found out the president was coming to your house. Uh, you'd probably do a little bit cleaning up in, in your house. Um, whether, no matter how clean you say it is right now, um, you'd be taking days off of work and uh, uh, cleaning up your house even more. Um, and, and so uh, all of this would be done because of a man uh, or woman that is coming to your house. But how much more should we do if God wants to come into our house? If God wants to come into our life, uh, and it's not just some other man, but he is the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords coming into town, coming into uh, our life, coming into our church, and uh, we, we invite his glory and his presence into our life, into this sanctuary here today. And so what should we do for uh, this meeting that we are hoping to encounter with the God of heaven? is we should make sure that our house is in order, our lives are in order. If we'll do this for a person, how much more should we do for God? One that actually has glory and whose glory precedes him and is all the earth full of the glory of God. Uh, And so uh, we have a responsibility and a duty uh, to do that, not just uh, once a week, before we come to Sunday service, but every single day we have an encounter with the Most High God, and we should be searching ourselves and asking God to to search our heart and see if there be any wicked way in us or uncleanliness and unrighteousness. All of these things we should ask God to remove uh, simply because we want to have an an encounter with God. We see when uh, the Lord was going to come to visit his people in the wilderness, in Exodus 33, the Lord had said unto Moses, say unto the children of Israel, ye are a stiff-necked people, I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee, therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount Horeb. And as we had just mentioned about how um, honor and respect can be likened unto ornaments, what it means we put these things on our uniforms that uh, attest and testify of of who we are, what kind of accomplishments we have done. Um, But here, when God was going to come into the midst of his people, he says, go ahead and take off all your ornaments. And this was most likely uh, referring to uh, jewelry and and those things, gold and and chains and all of these things that uh, man uh, likes to decorate themselves with. Uh, They didn't obviously have badges of honor and and accomplishments and things that they did, but they were uh, jewelry that they had to remove. But uh, nonetheless, uh, whatever accomplishments that we have done in our lives... Uh, it doesn't compare to what God has done in our lives and what he has done in this world and so when God comes into our uh, our life who are we we are uh, our reputation is not going to stand and our glory and honor doesn't compare to the glory of God and so everything that we think that we Accomplished and built up in our lives, we need to take all of that off and and come before the Lord and say, "God, I'm nothing. Uh, I'm not worthy of of Your presence. Uh, Whatever I have done, my righteousness is as filthy rags compared to You, and so I am nothing in Your in Your sight. But what a glory, what a what a privilege it is to be able to have God to come in and to speak, just to be with us." Amen, and so we always have to do our part. We never reach the place where we can say, well, I, I don't have to do that anymore, or I've, I've reached this level in society or this world where I, I have some prestige about me that I don't have to take these things off when I come before the Lord. And we see people, we see the people of Israel here cleansing themselves and cleansing their lives and their homes. Why? Because God was going to visit them. And the power and presence of God was coming down. Uh, They were going to be in the midst of the glory of God. and, And God told them, he gave them a fair warning. You better clean yourself up because I'm coming in there to be with you. Get rid of your idols, your ornaments, get rid of your sin. Because the almighty God is going to make a visit. And so that is the first thing that we do when we come to the lord and have a, begin to feel his presence drawing us Uh, closer to him is we are told that we need to repent. We need to ask God for forgiveness, forgive me for all the bad things that I've done, all the sin and wicked and evilness, Uh, cleanse myself and cleanse my heart and my life, sanctify my heart and to get rid of all of those things. Why? Because God is preparing this vessel, uh, this vessel of clay, this vessel of earth, God is preparing to put something inside of it and that is his spirit that he wants to fill each and every believer with the Holy Ghost, and the glory of God comes inside of us, so we have something that we can do. we got to prepare ourselves, uh, cleanse ourselves from anything, any weights or ornaments or things we think uh, are, are of, of glory and honor. That, all that has to go away because none of that compares to the glory of God and the, the weight or the heaviness that God wants to come and overshadow our lives with. That's why God doesn't fill somebody that hasn't repented, because the vessel hasn't been cleansed yet. Uh, and even so, after He has filled us of uh, the believer, and we have this holy His Spirit inside of us, uh, we are still vulnerable to sin. Still vulnerable to uh, temptations and given in to the ways of the world and the ways of the devil. And, and so we still got to be on guard every single day. Just because we're born again doesn't mean we are exempt now from uh, the, the wiles of temptation. But the more so we should be even more on God, not guard now that we have the glory of God inside of us, uh, we should uh, uh, be striving each and every day to pursue that holiness and righteousness and, and, and be ever watchful now that we have this precious thing inside of us. So we're talking about the glory of God and all his greatness and all his majesty and how righteous and holy he is, but where does one even begin? Uh, How can mankind describe the glory of God? And whatever words we may use or try to attempt to do it, we're never really going to come close to the actual glory of God. John the Baptist said that he wasn't worthy to untie his sandals. Uh, That's his the best way that he could... Describe who was coming after him, the glory and the greatness and the reputation of Almighty God. He's whatever shoes he was wearing. John the Baptist, the greatest of all prophets, says, I'm not even worthy to touch his shoes or tie his shoes. And yet, here we are, we have him, Jesus, living inside of us. He's not after us like. He did John the Baptist. He's now inside of every single one of us. That should stop us in our tracks every day. That should cause us to act differently and and, and look differently and and change our actions because uh, the one who we're not even worthy to tie his shoes, now he decides I'm going to live inside of us. I think we many times may just kind of take it for granted of what we have and what God has given us, and the, the the restraint that God shows by even just saying, "Hey, I'm going to come and live inside a human. Uh, Jesus was born without sin, and so he had a, a perfect cleanse body that we can easily see the connection, how the spirit uh, God uh, can easily reside in that, but... When we look in the mirror and we see you and I, we know that we're no we're nowhere close to Jesus, we're we're fallen and we're broken and we're, we're messed up and we're cracked and we're blemished. But yet, even still, deep down inside, God says, hey, I want to do something in you. I want to transform your life. I want to pull you up out of that clay. And I, I want to come and live inside of you that you can experience this, this weight, uh, experience the glory uh, of my presence. And we have that inside of us. How much more should we strive to live a better life uh, than we have been. And even more just for the life that God pulled us out of, uh, the, the longer we are separated from this world and the longer that we have the Holy Ghost inside of us, uh, the more fruit of the Spirit we should be bearing. I mean, if we've had the Holy Ghost for 20 years and, and uh, there's not much of a change in us, then uh, maybe there's something off. And it's probably not the Holy Ghost. Uh, and so when the majority of Christianity profess that they have the Spirit of God, and yet they they kind of blend in with sinners, something's off. That goes to show me that uh, they don't really have the Spirit. That I have, because when I got the Holy Ghost, something drastically changed in my life, and I believe in your life as well, that we are not drawn to be closer to identify with this world, but we were uh, felt a drawing to separate ourselves, uh, to come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean thing. That way, he will receive us, and we will experience and begin to be able to dwell in the glory of God. And so it's one thing to hear about the glory and honor of a person, but it's something differently to actually see it and behold this glory. We there's a story about uh, Solomon and the Queen of Sheba. Heard about the fame of of Solomon. Heard about his wisdom and and how he was just so wise beyond comprehension and and all these things, and she decided, I've heard so much greatness about this person, I'm going to, I want to go and, and, and see him in, in, in real life. And, and so she goes, and she says, I believe the re- the reports that I heard, uh, but when I actually saw him and, and, and got to be in his presence, the half of his greatness was not even told to me. I was already... Uh, my mind was already blown about how how, how great Solomon was, but uh, and I believe those reports. But when I showed up and got in his presence, I didn't even it didn't even begin to tell of, of his greatness and, and his glory. Uh, and so uh, imagine of all the things that we hear about God, but there's coming a day where we're actually going to see Him face to face, and everything we've encountered so far in this life, we're gonna our minds not going to be able to comprehend of who. God God really is, and His glory, and the width, and the depth of His of His righteousness, and, and our minds are not going to be able to comprehend the God that we say that we we're, we know, and 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 we're learning of Him, and learning more about Him. But I believe the half is yet to be told. The Bible speaks of it, we, we kind of see him through a, a glass dimly, I mean it's, it's kind of a shaded, uh, a shaded, a tinted glass and we can't really see what's on the other side, we can make something out, uh, some kind of figures and things but uh, there's coming a day as Paul says that all of that is going to weigh and we're going to see him face to face. I know we prepare and we talk about that day but I don't think we're ready for that day because we don't know. Uh, what it's going to be like, but it will be glorious once uh, the glory of God is really unveiled. Uh, And it is in a a world that is not corrupted, uh, but in heaven uh, where God's glory is uh, ever so shining brightly. I mean, and think about it, uh, angels that are perfect and created beings, uh, they are in heaven and they they haven't even seen God. They cover their eyes and they cover their face and feet and, and all they're saying is holy, holy, holy. They're talking to one another. I, I, don't, I can't even see God and I just know that he's holy and uh, just what is emanating in the weight and the glory, that, the heaviness that I feel that he is holy and holy, holy and yet that God is living inside of us. And so the Bible tries to put into words the glory of God and it, uh, it, it blows our minds that uh, what we hear that he is a deliverer, he is a healer, and he is a, a mighty in battle, mighty to save. But uh, that's one thing to hear about those things and how God has touched somebody and healed them. It's, it's completely different when he does it for you. When you hear about God as a healer, but then he heals you or heals your child or something, then all of a sudden that becomes even more real. Like, wow, I've heard about it, but now I finally have experienced just a taste of the glory of God, and it's beyond, I can't even put in the words what I've experienced, and and, and that is who he is, and, and how much more can he do? And yet that just scratches the surface of uh, of what we've come to know uh, of God and, and uh, what he's done for us in our life. And so uh, this once there is a, a change that takes place in our life and our walk with faith, um, from what we've heard about to the actually experiencing the power of God, uh, you've, uh, there's that change that happens and it, it forever is in your mind and you can never forget about it. Uh, just having a, a small taste of the power and a glimpse of God. But the Bible does speak about physical manifestations of God uh, that has uh, come to be called the, the Shekinah glory. Where it's the glory of God that can be seen. Uh, a majestic presence or manifestation of God in which He descends and dwells upon uh, among men. And so when the invisible God becomes visible, God is a spirit and he can't, we can't see spirits, so He has to manifest Himself uh, for us to be able to see it. Uh, this attributes to the, the phrase Shekinah glory because it's something... Uh, that God is doing to make himself known uh, among the people. And we see this in our text. Uh, it came to pass that when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. And so as a as a spirit-filled believer, these these verses uh, and these descriptions—they they excite us uh, about hearing the glory, and not just hearing about, it, but, uh, being able to see the glory, uh, power of God. That it was so strong that the priest could no longer minister. They just became so overwhelmed with the weight and the heaviness and the and the cloud of God's presence and. And now the the manifestation of God's presence had happened before in in many other instances in the Bible and Israel's history. And they've known about that. But where the presence of God would come down in a cloud as well, just like this instance with Solomon. Uh, But obviously uh, this was a little bit different where uh, they could not even minister. They couldn't even stay Inside the temple, because the glory of God was so strong and so thick there, and so um, then. Uh, but the question is, we all we all want to to see that and experience that, but how did it? How does it ever? How do we get to a, an encounter, a place uh, where we can uh, experience God uh, on such a level? And we, we know that uh, God doesn't show up unless there is an altar of sacrifice. As he laid out in the tabernacle plan when they first began that, that first you start with the alt, the brazen altar and then the, the laver of water. And you move yourself, move into the uh, ten, the Holy of Holies where the presence of God would dwell uh, upon the mercy seat. And, and so uh, the process that God uh instilled and laid in the hearts uh, the roadmap that he says is I want to be with you I'll come down there and be with you but uh, again you have to clean yourself up uh, you have to get rid of the ornaments and, and get rid of all these things and get rid of any kind of accomplishments you think you have done that are going to stand in my presence and nothing does uh, and so it comes starts with the sacrifice and, and death and repentance uh, dying out and moving our way uh, to the washing of, uh, of the water uh, through the Word and baptism, how that uh, applies to us. And eventually they make it into uh, the Holy of Holies where uh, the presence of God uh, was there. But as unique as that was, that was only available uh, to one person, the high priest uh, once a year were they able to go into the Holy of Holies. And um, I'm thankful that the veil ripped when Jesus died on the cross now anybody has access to the Holy of Holies. Whoever, Whosoever will wants to come and to get close to God, you can get as close to God as you want. Nobody's going to hold you back or hold a gun to your head, no. As much as God as you want, God will pour into your life. If you just want a little bit of taste, a little bit of the glory of God, you can have that. But if you want to go to a place where you go in there and all of a sudden the glory of God comes down, the weight in the heaviness comes and it fills all the room, so much so that you cannot even stand or minister in there, that place also is available to anybody. And it just falls back on to our hunger and our desire of how much of God we want. Some people are okay with just a little bit of a uh, little goosebump, and And that, that's, they come to church and got their goosebump and they, they're ready to go. Other people want to go further. Other people want to get deeper in the presence of God, where uh, and experience things that uh, uh, you may not even be able to put into words. That is available uh, to every single one of us. And, and so, uh, what is uh, what is the path? How do we get to such a place as they experienced that day uh, on? Uh, that day of dedication, when they are dedicating the temple, um, uh, we we say that we want, we would love to experience that and and love to encounter that, uh, where the glory of God is just so thick and so heavy that you you just you can't do the normal thing and uh, you can't minister the way you, no, you you normally do it. You can't have church the way you normally do because. Uh, something unique and something showed up. The the power of God showed up like never before. Uh, and uh, But what does it take to get to such a place? We want to see his glory. We talk about it. We sing about it. Show me your glory. And uh, we want that. And... Uh, We want to see revival and we want to see an outpouring of God's spirit like never before. Um, the latter day rain will be greater than the former. That's what we talk about and that's what we want to see in our seeing around us and, and miracles, signs and wonders to, uh, to, to the like to which we have never seen before. All of these uh, words and phrases we so commonly may, may say and, and talk about, but uh, let me ask you, for the glory of God to come down like that. What was the cost? What was the cost? If you stand with me this morning. And here is the cost to get the glory to come down so thick and so strong that they could not minister anymore. There is a recipe, a road to do that. And that is spelled out in verse 5. King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him were with him before the ark, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be told nor numbered for multitude. So, if we want to have an encounter with God, unlike any other, God's going to be looking for a sacrifice. Like none other Sure we have our Our regular sacrifices Our regular fastings And, and prayers and, and, and all of these things Our spiritual disciplines That we, we do But we have to understand That that obviously gets us Access to a certain place Or a certain level Whatever we want to attribute that to But if we ever get hungry enough and desperate enough, and, and desire more. The way to get more is to go back to the altar, and you got to add something else on. Adding another day of fasting will show up, the fire will show up, and the end even brighter. And The, the glory of God will show up even more because you put more on the altar, and therefore more of the glory comes down. And so we can go through our routines and, and uh, everyday things that we, uh, we typically do and we'll, we'll get a response. But if we ever want to see the glory that, that come down one day or every day or every week or whatever, uh, uh, a unique experience, it's gonna have to start with the sacrifice, the altar. And here Solomon and them they were offering an, uh, a, a, a sacrifice that they couldn't even begin to count how many animals were offered. And, and, and what happens is many times we're, we're keeping track of our sacrifice. God, I did this and this and this and this. So we're, we're keeping track and we're trying to put it in a formula and hopefully the, the, the product will come out. And this is what we're expecting from our A, B, and C But to get to the place where the glory of God is manifested so strong and so thick that we can't even comprehend and experience, we don't even know how to put it in words. That product, to go back to the beginning, well, my sacrifice should be of that where I can't even count it that I'm willing to offer up something that I'm not even keeping track of. I'm just pouring things on. I'm just dumping it on. I'm getting rid of everything, all every single ornament, every everything that I have to offer. Uh, I got to be willing to pour that out. And if we're willing to do that, I know and I believe that God will show up like none other before. His glory will come down because His glory comes down upon the sacrifice. And, and if this church, if we decide, hey, we got to push forward. We're going to break through and we want to see things we've never seen before it's got to start with us it's got to start with me it's got to start with you what we're doing in our lives what sacrifice what we're putting on and and the more you and I put on the greater the sacrifice and then the greater the glory that's going to come down and we want to see revival like never before it's going to come at a cost but the the question is who is willing to sacrifice for that who's willing to give up a little bit of extra their time or extra of their day, and say, "Oh, I normally do this, but I, I'm drawn by the Spirit. I'm being drawn by something. I'm feeling the heaviness, the glory, the weight of God. I'm going to put that away, and I'm going to go spend a little bit of extra time with God. That's the, to get the glory of God. That's the way to Him to manifest in our life like never before. Come on, He's here today. Why don't we worship the Lord today?" Lift up and begin to seek his face. Hallelujah, Jesus. We want you.